Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. to another episode of the new EDU. I almost, not even kidding, almost forgot what we were doing here for a second because it is currently 10.07 at night in Atlanta when we're recording this. We just wrapped up a two-hour panel for our sustainable SEL course, and I'm just confused at... What what's happening when and where uh, and we are just we? yeah we're just rolling <laughs> and that voice you hear in the background that is our good friend Sarah P and the only reason that we That's were right. able to continue to record this podcast tonight is because she is a night owl and so we knew that her best would come to you <laughs> in the wee hours of the morning now it's only ten o'clock at night so for m- most teachers we're like you know we're we're barely even getting started for the for the evening so are you ready to go away yeah let's dive in He's snapping your fingers over here it's well. Not- I, I, He's I, been snapping I, his fingers all night long, and I'm just confused. Well, I'll just say, I, Chase, I can I can hear the echo uh, from those headphones. I think all the way over here, and I try to snap and wave so I don't disrupt everybody. There so, you go. Okay. Uh, there we go. There Thank you, is, buddy. Everybody. Appreciate that. A courteous snapper. <laughs> I'm a. I try. I I do a silent snap like this, and then when they don't pay attention, I go like this, and then I go. If nothing else, this is just it's the reality. It's such a you guys. thing to do, though. Like. <laughs> Such I don't want to. I don't want to mess up any anyone's. I guess uh, uh, okay. inspiration and momentum. Let's get this episode going. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Our good f- friend Sarah Plum. Sarah, we're gonna let you start off just by yeah. introducing yourself, giving a little background about who you are, what it is that you do, all the hats that you wear. That's right. Everything about yourself. Awesome. So the laundry the laundry list begins. I'm an ESOL teacher currently working with second graders in a school in Virginia. This is my ninth year there. It's the only school I've ever worked with. So I'm a long hauler there. I also run an after-school program, which is a little interesting during COVID times because it's all virtual on Zoom after school. So that's that's a little bit unique. And I'm also, I also wear the hat of parent, two boys with special needs, one in middle school, sixth grade, and another in second grade in my school, actually. He likes to pretend he doesn't know me. And it's a little bit funny. All the kids at recess, it's like a celebrity sighting when they spot Miss Plum's son. They love to tattle on him. So it's a little interesting, unique experience this year. Hashtag teacher kid. That's right. Hashtag that's, teacher kid. That's how it goes. I mean, it, it's one of those things to where, I mean, Hope and I, Maverick's only two, right? But Hope and I were just talking about two days ago when we dropped Maverick oh, off at, a uh, good story, at, at, at his school, which is like... Um, it, Maverick started yeah. school for the first time ever because yeah, um, we just felt that now was the time. And so we started school and the first day, like literally ripped our hearts out of our chest. And we recognized that it's much harder on us than it is for him. And the second um, day did the same thing. Sarah received a lot of text messages that day and, and we needed someone to stand with us, you know. I understood the feeling. <laughs> she understood the feeling. She even sent me pictures of her 
her first baby's yeah. time of going to school. And then we got through day two and we, you know, talked to a teacher. And we were like, oh my gosh, how did you do today? And she said, he did much day. better. Mm-hmm. He didn't cry nearly as much this morning. And then we were prepping for day three, thinking we were on to positive things. And we get an email that the school is shut down for two weeks due to COVID. So, so here we, got, we go, everybody. We got to do it all over again. But <laughs> when you sent me that text message, I could not believe it. I was just like preparing myself for the uh, next go round. Oh my God. It's, it's so hard and difficult. And I love how, because that's kind of the point that I was, I was going to make. I love how Hope said, we knew Sarah would get it. She would understand. And mm-hmm. for so long, Hope and I never really understood what it was like to be a, a parent of a child who goes to school. Yeah. You do. And you are understand different perspectives dealing with that, all that it consumes uh, or it, all that, that, that it's involved with, with having two children that go to school, that you teach in a certain environment, that they have certain issues and obstacles that they have to overcome as well at home. But we never realized what it's like when you do have to wake up early enough to get them we to were, school we were on practically time. practically late the first day. I was like, I, know. I will never judge a parent ever for showing up late with their it's, kids because it is a process, man. It's understanding that. And, and you could think you understand, it but really you never is. do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I literally like feel like I need to apologize to so many people. <laughs> for us, like for me, I have I have to drive him to school, my school, which is 45 minutes away. So our, we have to be like military time goodness, to no get, kidding. to get, cause I gotta get to work on time and he's no gotta get kidding. to class. So my goodness. So anyways, parents, we see you, we see you. Okay. Mm-hmm. We see you, you. Sure do. like so much perspective. The Lord's just like, let me help you right. out. Let me give you a little bit of perspective. All right. But anyways, let's get to the point of today's episode, which I'm really excited for this conversation. It has been a question that we have received countless times, AKA basically by every teacher that we've come in contact with, because a lot of people know, obviously, if you're in tune with the new EDU, you know that our platform, one of the things that Wade and I are very passionate about, obviously, is student engagement. Right. And so now we're looking at that from a completely different perspective, um, talking about, you know, obviously how that looks in the form of SEL and what the role of SEL and what that plays within student engagement, which is a huge role and more to come on that. And we're excited to be able to share some things from what we've learned in our study about social emotional learning here recently, the question that we have received has been, what the heck do I do? How do I engage my kids when they, when I'm teaching virtually, when we're in digital, you know, learning and they won't turn their cameras on? Um. And this has been a question from so many educators. How do we still engage our learners? How do we make it exciting and fun? What's the expectation? When we're looking out there and all we see is a bunch of black boxes. And so I, Sarah and I have been talking about this for some time and I'm like, you know, we need to get this on the podcast. Mm -hmm. We need to talk about this because I think that a lot of times educators are thinking that First of all, they're taking it as a personal thing, you know, like, what am I not doing, right? Which, as educators... That's like the number one no-no, I think, during during this pandemic teaching, is taking anything personal. A hundred percent. And so we're going to get in and talk about that. But also, you know, just... What, what does this look like? And what can we understand better as educators? Well, first of all, everybody's struggling with this. This is not just a, a personal problem. This is not just an issue right. for a certain grade level. So anyways, we want to dive headfirst in this conversation and talk about just, you know, some information, some background, talk mm-hmm. about building and establishing trust, but also talking about things that we can do. Because at the end of the day, this is an issue that is outside of our control yeah. to a certain extent. And so what do we have within our control that we can do when it comes to this whole 
looking out there into the world of black, black boxes. boxes. So Sarah, just let's kind of start off with the foundation of understanding, you know, and you and I have, have had a lot of conversations about this, but yes. just kind of like a background of, again, it's not a personal issue. It's mm-hmm. nothing against the educator why are we looking out there sometimes and seeing a screen filled with black boxes? So I think there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons. And I think, I think one of the reasons why we take this so personally, and it's so much harder for us to kind of let this thing go than, than, you know, other behaviors is one, because we're starved for social contact ourselves. You know, most of us are still very much socially distant, you know, especially if you're hybrid teaching, you're virtual teaching and you never see these kids in person you want to see their face. It's just a, it's a normal Mm -hmm. human emotion to want to see someone's Mm -hmm. face when you're speaking with them. However, I think there's, there's also the pressure from administrators, you know, how do you know really if someone is getting what you're teaching or paying attention to your lesson, if you can't see them. So then you have the pressure from administrators and then you also just have the pressure of yourself knowing intrinsically as a teacher, like you want feedback how can you get feedback from from a black box? But the reality is just like so many so many things that have happened during this pandemic teaching, we just have to kind of let go. We have to we have to let go of some things. And this is one of the things that there is a point at which you just have to let go. And it was it was really hard for me at first, particularly because, you know, as an ESOL teacher, so much of what I do, I have to look at like the mouth shape of students when they're forming words for, you know, how they're how they're even pronouncing the word. They rely on visual cues to understand me if particularly my newcomers who their their English is limited just as as you know perhaps mm-hmm. my Spanish or my Dari or my Arabic is limited. They relying on facial cues and facial expressions to to read that that body language is so important when you're relying on context. So for me it was really really hard, but I had to get to kind of like the why because I feel like just like with anything else, it's so much easier to accept something when you know the why behind it. It's easier to say, okay, I can let go of this because I know there's a good reason. There's not always going to be a good reason. There are going to be kids that just don't want to have the camera on because they want to be doing something else. They want to be playing video games or they want to be playing with their toys and they don't want you to see it. They have to be on Zoom because that's what's required and they're going to know they're going to be counted absent and everything Mm -hmm, like that. There are going to be kids that that do that just like there's going to be kids in your classroom that try and get away with things, right? Right. But we have to kind of like move past those kids in terms of that excuse or or that reason and look for the root cause with the students that aren't doing it just because. Mm. The students that don't want their home space to be shown. You know, and it doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything wrong with their home space, but it's their personal space. Mm-hmm. That's very hard for some some people. I mean, right. it's hard yeah. for adults. I mean, I have a Toy Story background on because my office is a mess, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want anyone to see that, right? And you're going to have kids who that's the reason why. You're going to have, you know, maybe adults that are driving that decision because they're uncomfortable with their student being on camera for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're concerned then another student's going to take screenshots. You know, you see that a lot at the older level, not so much, you know, with what I've experienced in elementary school, but that's also a concern. Mm -hmm. You're going to have kids who are preoccupied with their own image, seeing themselves on screen, look, wondering what their face looks like, being self-conscious, you know, that might be a reason. And then, you know, and I shared this with you, Hope, and it kind of flipped my whole thinking on this. 
my own sons don't turn their camera on. Like my, my sixth grader, William has not had his camera on the whole year. Mm. And I peek over his shoulder sometimes and it's a sea of black boxes and, you know, God bless his teachers and all of them because they're really working on no information with, with, you know, practically teenagers who are kind of mischievous, but it was my younger son, Henry, that kind of set the, the world ablaze for me when he explained why he doesn't want his camera on. Mm -hmm. And it was a big fight with him because he's behind in reading. He really needs the feedback. His teacher needs to be able to see what he's doing. And it was a real fight. And he said to me, he was like, well, when I'm in school, I can see if people are looking at me and I can look back at them and I I can, I can kind of try and understand why they're looking at me. But when I'm on camera, I don't know who's looking at me. Mm. And I was just floored. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that like the depth of thought of that, that, that a child at like seven Mm -hmm. would be self-conscious and, Mm -hmm. and wanting to know who's looking at him. Mm -hmm. So when you know those root causes, you can start to address them or just make peace with it and let it go. Yeah. But I think that that's really important that if you can get to a root cause, if you can have a conversation with the student privately, absolutely privately, never call them out. Mm -hmm. But if you can have that private conversation with the student or the family, that's key to start moving forward because you, you, you need to know what's going on there if at all possible. Right. I mean, it's, the main theme that I heard through every scenario that you just talked about from the administration to the teacher, to being at home, to the students, everything I heard was pressure. Um, That was a constant theme and purpose of the pressure. Mm -hmm. If we just remind ourselves of that, what's the purpose of the pressure? What's the purpose of the, the administration putting this pressure on us? What's, what's the purpose of us pressuring our kids to turn their camera on? What's the why? Why are they not turning it on? And it goes, it goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about and the, uh, with, with the social emotional learning component of you, you, you've got to reach every individual child to, to know why they do what they're doing and, and how to talk with them and to allow them to feel comfortable. And that's, that's hard. I mean, that is very difficult and you can only control what you can control and you can't control those cameras coming on. And there's a reason why they're not. And it's very, for teachers, our identity, a lot of times it is wrapped up into teaching and educating and to serving these kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, especially during this, this season of virtual learning, you, 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 you can't see those kids and it's very hard. It's very difficult. But then you also talked on what we were talking about earlier. You, you, you don't know something you don't know. Just like we were talking about with Maverick. We didn't know what it was like to take a child to school, even though it's he's two, yeah. right? School <laughs> loosely, but still yeah, getting don't, him. Don't minimize it. It's still very that's hard. Right. That's what I say. You, it's a hard Thank experience. You, but but we, we didn't Validate know. Validate your feelings. Your feelings are valid. <laughs> yes. If they are all the feelings, but, but it, we, we we didn't know what we didn't know because we weren't parents. But right. you you were able to gain that insight because you are a parent, but you, and you're an educator, so you were able to understand that a little bit further. But I think you simplified it so beautifully because again, we talk so much not just during this season, but in all seasons of life, but in education, is that we really have to separate kind of what we're dealing with into two things. 
those things that we can control and those mm-hmm. things that we cannot control, right? right? And I think by you simplifying it and saying, listen, a starting place is understanding the why behind it. Because if we understand the why behind it, we can accept the black box on the screen, right? And so for teachers who might be saying, I don't even know where to start. I've just been frustrated this whole time. You know, start with, again, like you said, having those conversations individually, privately, and seeing, you know, what, and some students might not give up any specific reason. Like you said, there's going to be some kids who, like you said, they're just trying to get away with their, they're being kids, they're playing video games, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But if we can start really understanding then like you said, that is kind of setting the stage to be able to move forward and start forming a connection with with students. Because, you know, so much of social-emotional learning, yes, but so much of student engagement, so much of academic success, so much of growing students emotionally, behaviorally, academically is trust. And if students don't trust us, then they're not going to give us permission to educate them, permission to be welcomed inside their emotional feelings, to be welcomed to to share and to kind of guide them through learning, right? And so what role does trust play in this? And how do we start, especially in a digital space, like we can talk and we we might have to have a part two about, you know, within the classroom. But yeah, I know where you're going. Like, But in a digital space... How yeah. do we start building that trust that we've been so accustomed to being able to do in person now in a digital space when we don't even see this see child face to face? How does trust begin to form here? I think it forms the same way that you form any relationship with a student. You look for those opportunities to offer up a little bit of yourself mm-hmm. and, and hope that that's reciprocated. You know, it might take a couple times. I, you know, I, I got kittens in uh, late November and I had kids that didn't have their cameras on. My kittens used to, when they were really little, they used to love to jump up and sit on my desk and sleep on me while I was doing reading group. And so I would, you know, say, let's read to the kittens. And eventually, even without prompting, one of the students just started to turn his camera on. You know, and I think it was almost like he thought he couldn't see the kittens without his camera. I was just funny. Like he had like this weird correlation with it. But, you know, little things like that. You just just in the same way in your classroom, you know, if you hear a student mention their favorite comic book, you want to latch onto that and spend that one minute talking to them about it. Right. Exactly. Yep. It's just the same way. Like I had a student today. And I actually told this story in the live tonight, but that's okay. I'll tell it again because it's wor- it's worth it. You know, I was progress monitoring today, which trying to do any type of assessment over Zoom, especially with kids with their cameras off or or students that are reluctant to participate, it's a nightmare. You got to get the data because that's what the administration demands of you. But it's like, how do you how do you maintain the dignity and humanity while you're trying to do that? And the student before I started said, "Hey, can I show you something for a second? And my, my first instinct was like, oh my gosh, no, I've got to get through like two other kids and I only yeah. have 25 mm-hmm. minutes and like, I can't do, you the know, pressure. and I took a deep breath and I, and I just thought to myself, he doesn't participate very often. If I shut him down right now, what is that saying to him? Mm. Is he going to be able to trust me to ask me again? And I, I took the leap and I was like, you know, yeah, go ahead. Show me. He pulls out and he's seven, mind you, he's seven years old. He pulls out this sketchbook and opens the cover. And here is this painting. I wish I could show you. Mm. 
here's this painting. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And it was from a seven-year-old. And he was just like, I really love to paint. And then he flips the cover and here's another one. And here's another one. He's got this scene of of like uh, camping out in a field. And he has somehow tried to paint this tent like there's shadows inside of it, like it's illuminated. Wow. And he says to me, he's like, you know, some people, they draw before they they paint or they draw out what they're going to do. I just kind of sit and think for a while and I and then I just start to paint. And I, and I like to think that maybe I could be an art teacher someday. I, 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 <laughs> I turned my camera off because I started to cry because I thought to myself, like, if I had passed up this opportunity, he would not trust me, but he trusted me with his gift. Like he trusted me with this really personal thing. And what did it take? Three minutes. It took three minutes for him to know that he could trust me with that. And now I have another Avenue to talk with him. Now I can pick books that are about art or famous painters Mm -hmm. or, you know, just anything along that vein. And so it really just is, you know, keep it simple. We don't have to reinvent a way to build relationships just because it's virtual. It's the same way you find a way to communicate nonverbal, verbal, whatever, however you have to do it. You find a way to take those moments and just be a human being with the kids. Something non-academic, something non-threatening. The same thing you would do in the classroom. Just showing yeah. up, just showing up yeah. and being authentic. And Absolutely. I mean, just like just like we need to have a purpose for why we do what we do. We need to, Hope talks about all the time, we, we need to provide opportunities for our students to be able to do that and, yeah. and tapping into that. And I mean, just in the longevity of life, you're going to live a longer life if you have a purpose. It's proven. There's studies been, yeah. been done on that. And one of those components, there are four key principles to finding your purpose. And one of those key components is uh, finding your personally treasured activities. It's a hobby. It's an interest. Yeah. And you you provided affirmation for that student inside mm-hmm. of the classroom that will go, that it will probably last for that student forever because 2020, 2021 is the year that every human being is going to remember if they're able mm-hmm. to <laughs> have, have a memory, right? And right. When that student thinks back to March of yeah. 2021, he will probably remember when Miss Plum looked at his drawings, right. looked at his paintings, and affirmed him in something that he uh, really, really held true and dear to him. So, I mean, that's and that's where it starts. Yeah. Exactly like yeah. what you're saying: building, fostering that trust, and allowing opportunities like that. We, we've got to. We've got to stop what's being required of us, but what is needed of us to yeah. do. And, and that's exactly it. It's, it's standing in the gap between the kids and the policies. Mm. That's really what it comes down to mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to stand in the gap and it's not pretty. I mean, you have to answer to it sometimes, but I, I think there is, there are choices sometimes we have to make with that, you know, like I'm going to have to take another day now out of my reading groups to do progress monitoring. Will somebody say something to me about that? Maybe. <laughs> and then I'll just explain. This was more important. Exactly. And so we've talked about really understanding, you know, 
to address this problem that so many are seeing, you start with an understanding. You start with, you know, not assuming, not placing your own viewpoints of why these black boxes are up onto our students. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've talked a lot since we've been researching, you know, in, in social emotional learning and about appraisal theory, right? And how we don't put our own feelings and emotions into Absolutely. others, right? So we've talked about understanding the why. We've talked about really finding a way to start developing that trust and creating space mm-hmm. for students to be able to connect with us outside of an academic scene, outside of an academic yeah. setting. So maybe they do feel yes. more confident. Yes. But at the end of the day, like you said, and I, I love, and I'm, I'm so glad I was going to ask you if you felt comfortable sharing the story um, about Henry, but because I didn't want you to do that if you didn't feel comfortable, but Same. I'm so glad that no, you did. I, both, you know. <laughs> I do know, but, I, and that's why I was but I figured it was Henry's o- story, so yeah. I wanted to make that's sure that I was kind of stumbling but. over my words at the beginning, <laughs> and I was like, that, but the, uh, oh gosh, oh man. Is it because of that or because it's late at night? Both. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but also, you know, really establishing that trust, but what do we do once we, you know, maybe understand a little bit more and we have an understanding, we've worked to establish that trust. What does engagement look like here? Mm. What is, because, you know, it's not something that we just say, oh, well, forget it. I'm just not going to, I'm going to just put the information right. out there. Exactly. Thank we you still want yes. to use best mm-hmm. practices. We still want to put our best foot forward. We still want to make education exciting, fun. You know, we don't want to allow the black boxes to limit you know, who we are on the other side of that that screen, on the side of that camera, right? And so what does engagement look like when that might be our reality, when we are, you know, talking to a sea of black boxes, even though there are possibly and probably really good reasons for those, and even if we have tried to establish trust, what does engagement look like here? So I, I think it really just depends on the task, right? You have to look at whatever lesson you're in and just decide for yourself when you're thinking about mastery, when you're thinking about the feedback that you need to move forward with your students or, you know, provide extra support, what do you need from them in order to understand where to go from here, right? You know, it's, we would love to see their face throughout the whole lesson, um, but what do, you, what do you need from them to be able to check for understanding? What do you need from them mm. in order to be able to support them? So I'll give you an example. At the beginning of the year, I was just really frustrated because that was the height of the black boxes on my screen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got students that are still learning their letter sounds. And I was so frustrated because I'm like, how do I know that you were building these words correctly with your word tiles or writing them on your whiteboard if you're not showing me? And it, it honestly, I cried a few days because I was mm-hmm. just, I was beside myself of how was I going to be an effective teacher? And then I had to really sit and think, like, what do I need to understand? And what I did is I created a PowerPoint. And all of our students uh, were a Microsoft school. If you're a Google school, the same thing would apply. And what I did is I made a PowerPoint with one slide for each kid. And I put letter tiles on it. And I told them, go on to this, this PowerPoint. I gave them the link in the chat box. And I said, go to your slide with your name on it. And I want you to build the word cat. And I just clicked on the little slide sorter mode. And all of a sudden, it was like I was sitting at my guided reading table during normal <laughs> times, and I could see what every kid was doing with their wow. letter tiles. Yes. That's what I needed out of them. Right. I needed to see that. Oh, Would wow. I have loved to see their little faces of concentration while they did uh. it? Yes. But what I needed was to see the words being built so I could yes. give them immediate feedback. And that was, that was a way to avoid a situation where I'm relying on the camera. And so whenever you're approaching your lesson and this, and it may be different every time, and that's the challenging part, you might have to use a different engagement strategy every time. 
you might need to use the chat box. You might need to use the Zoom reactions, right? Mm-hmm. It just depends on what you're doing. But there are ways to use nonverbal communication and other modes of, you know, producing communication to get the point across without the visual yeah. from the black box. And, you know, I was um, actually having a conversation with one of our friends and Get Your Teach On presenters, Ashley Schroeder. Exactly what you were saying about how, you know, strategies are going to look differently now, but we've got to figure out what it is that we need to see from students. What what do we need to see to be able to continue to move them forward, right? Um, but one thing that she said, too, that was so powerful when it comes to engagement is she said, you know, I may not be able to see them but they can still see me. (laughs) And that's what I have to remember too as the educator is that she said, you know what, during this season, yes, do what's best for students, 100%. But we also have to do what's best for ourselves too to keep the joy, to keep ourselves motivated, to to be a happy teacher and to to focus on our own wellness. And she said, you know, and anybody who knows Ashley and follows her on social media, she is, she does a lot of hand gestures, motion, Mm -hmm. movement. That's a big foundation. She's, Yeah, she's very active with her instruction. That's the foundation of her classroom. And that's what makes her so happy to teach. And she said, you know, even though I can't see them, I'm still standing up. I'm still doing those hand gestures. I'm still doing those hand motions. And she said, I have to assume the best. Uh, While I can't see them, I have to assume that on the other side of that black box, they're doing the very same thing that I'm doing. And I think that sometimes that's the very thing that we can do as teachers is assume the best. Assume that whatever Mm -hmm. we're asking the students to do on the other side of that black box in our minds we almost have to visualize it that they're doing it they're killing it they're doing amazing at it because that's Mm -hmm. what's going to keep us motivated to still bring our best every Mm -hmm. single day to this digital world which is very foreign i mean not necessarily so much anymore but right still is very foreign (laughs) to a lot of us because it is i mean you think about it we're still every week it is foreign about it it is really truly a hundred percent you got to be flexible and keep learning I i loved how you I mean, I could literally, I was literally visualizing your story in my head and I was like, and I knew where you were going and I was like, yes, yes. Because once you see that happening, you can see that there are real humans out there. They're listening to me and it's, and it's, it's in the simplest of forms. I mean, and Ashley also talks about, and you just did too, Sarah, about Essentially, we're, we're not really changing the game. Like this is something that you would have seen at that small group table mm-hmm. right there Absolutely. in front of you. You would have been looking right down at that. And yeah. um, I mean, it's it, it, it bring man. I mean, it's, it's so powerful and it's something as simple as a chat. And don't, yes. don't just think about what you already do. I mean, Kahoot. I played Kahoot last year at the beginning of virtual and I could see the kids were there and they were they were playing mm-hmm. the game. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. That's incredible. And these are middle schoolers. And it's just Anything the way, yeah. Where you can get that feedback, yeah. Right. Anything where you yeah. can get that that affirmation that someone is on the other end, like that's really the key. And I think too, just thinking about like how could you get them to use their camera without it being on them? Mm-hmm. One of my kids turned their camera into a dot cam, and they figured out how to flip their laptop down just so and flip the screen so that it would be like a dot cam on their whiteboard. I didn't have to see their face, but I could see their work. Yeah. So, you know, it's things like that. You find ways like, or point it up at the ceiling and then give me the thumbs up or the thumbs down if you don't want your face. Like there are ways to adapt it. And again, it goes back to like, what do I really need 
it out of this, yeah. right? Like yeah. what is my yeah. non-negotiable need in order right. to have this to be a successful les- lesson? Yeah. And, and that's where the, you, you get creative with the PowerPoint and the collabor- collaborative like Jamboard and all of those, you know, things. But some of it can just be the chat box. Some of it can be a thumbs up or thumbs down exactly. yeah. emoji. Now, during this time though, I know that you have focused on really, okay, let me think about, you know, specific lessons or a specific structure or a specific presentation that I can do to students that might get them, you know, enthused to want to be a part of the conversation. I know you mentioned mm-hmm. your cats, obviously. By the way, tell everybody the names of your of your cats. Anakin and Ahsoka. <laughs> Huge Star Wars nerd. What can I say? If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Just share about some of the success that you've had with, you know, specific activities that you have planned during this season that you have seen positive feedback or, you know, just a response from your students because of the way that you structured something. So I did something that was a little non-academic just to see if we could get more cameras on just to see if what what would do it. I designed a field, virtual field trip to Disney World. Yeah, you did. You might have seen it on TikTok. <laughs> if you're on teacher TikTok, you might have seen it on your For You page. I'm sorry if it came up multiple times. But we wanted to see if what would what would kind of like spark the kids' interest. And I thought, I thought for sure, because I teach the fifth graders and I did this in after school, which is why I could do something a little non-academic to try to get get them out mm-hmm. of their shell. You know, with my fifth graders in after school, I was thinking there is no way they're turning their cameras on because none of them, like maybe one regularly has their camera on. There's no way they're turning their camera on and they're going to pretend to be on this ride with me because, you know, we rode the virtual rides. Yeah. And of course, I'm real extra. It's Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. I got my hands up and I'm like, woo, all over the place. Wouldn't you know it? Every one of those cameras flicked on. And all you see is these fifth graders with their arms in the air pretending to be on this roller coaster. And I'm sitting there going, okay, so we need a little bit of like pizzazz to make this happen, like a little bit of purpose. And we leveraged that and then we turned it into something academic. I did a follow-up activity where we were going to work collaboratively to create our own theme park. Exactly. You know, we saw what was successful about Disney. And I said, listen, we got some decisions to make. We need to decide what our overall theme is going to be, what our worlds are going to be. And we're going to create teams. And, you know, I had to use like, we're not allowed to have kids in breakouts by themselves, breakout rooms. So I had like six, six devices going. I had my phone, my iPad, my work laptop, my, my iMac. I had all of these going so I could be in every breakout room. And these kids worked on these teams. They had their cameras on. They were negotiating with each other. It was the best thing ever. I just needed some sort of little hook and some gimmick and some, some silly thing to get them out of their shell. And that was all it took. That's not going to work in every situation, obviously. Right. Right. But it's worth a shot. And so now I've got, you know, the rest of the teachers in my school, they're using it as bribery. Which ride would you like to ride on Disney today? Jeez. Like, what? Where you want to go? To Disney World? Do you want to go to Fantasyland? I want to go to the Yes, brain okay, breaks. Okay, so we're right? going to do. Yes, we're going to do this math problem, and if everybody somehow communicates their answer, we're going to ride the teacups. Yeah. Know? So it's little things like that. Yeah, yeah it's and I, I love it for many reasons. I mean. Number one, that's so much fun. But what what you did was is you brought in something that that you were excited about, that you were passionate about, Mm -hmm. and that passion and that joy, it went beyond the screen to your kids. I guarantee you not every single one of your your kids love Disney or even know about Disney rides, right? Oh, no. Some of them said they hated Disney. Exactly. But they humored me. 
they humored you because they knew how special it was to you. You took that, then you turned it in. And I was like, yes, awesome. You can integrate math. You can integrate writing. You can integrate science. Like all of it with something as silly as Disney World rides. I know know how that works because I did it with Power Rangers. And it was awesome. But it's so much fun, and it's it's worth a shot, right? It's worth a shot. Why not? Yeah. Why not give it a go? And, and if again, it fails, I would have just tried something else. I mean, yeah. that's really the thing. Right. You, just, exactly. you just have to try and see what works. Yeah. Exactly. And, I mean, incorporating those things is, you know, as part of brain breaks. And what are we going to do to have a little break yeah. within our instruction? And what that's, can I do to motivate my students? You know, it's wow. just thinking. Some of the teachers use it for a brain break. Yeah. They still do. Why not? It's yeah. literally the perfect brain break. Right, I mean, guys, we're going on the teacups. <laughs> Here we go. Their favorite one, though, I have to say their favorite one is Splash Mountain. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Because of, like, all the little fake out waterfall parts. They really really got that one kid. Oh, I will... (laughs) He took took his water bottle and he threw water in his face. Oh, my. Now that's creative. I... That's it the was full hilarious. like 40 That's what I was going to say about the teacups. Like I, I would be the teacher who said, "All right, guys, act like you're throwing up now." Like that's what we're Spin doing. Spin around ten times fast. Yes. Well, some and of them have like <laughs> office chairs that they sit in at home, and they were like spinning <laughs> in their office chair. It that's was great. too good. Oh boy, you, know, you just are probably like, oh my god. You just gotta be, you just gotta be silly sometimes. Yeah, and again, yeah. like it goes back to the trust, right? When I said you have to share a little bit of part of yourself as like a mm-hmm. peace offering to them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that was me sharing a little bit of me mm-hmm. and all the, most of the other teachers are also very much Disney nerds. And so it was interesting also for me to see how their attitude changed Yeah, in doing this to see them like have that spark again and the excitement and like, oh my gosh, I have to show you this. Let's do this together yep. that they didn't have. Yeah. So, it, you know, sometimes it. it's not just for them. It's also for you. Yeah. yeah. And they need it. Yeah. So, I mean, just such, again, taking something that has been such a question from educators and put so much stress and just really simplified it. Number one, understanding the purpose, understanding the why behind that black box or trying to, right? Secondly, really trying to establish some trust, trying to establish trust outside of that academic space. You know, then third, recognizing that engagement can still happen. Yes, it's going to look differently. Yes, it might not be exactly how you envisioned it or intended for it to be, but you can still find engagement, right? And you can recognize that although I might not be able to see them, they can still see me or using, Mm -hmm. turning their camera into a dot cam or whatever they feel comfortable with. What does engagement look like for them? And I think that that's a question we need to start asking ourselves, even in our face-to-face classrooms. What is engagement? Ask it in the classroom because you're going to have that kid with the hoodie on and then the head down. That's right. Right. And you got to right. find a way. Right. That's right. And then fourth, you know, finding some purpose behind this, finding some some ways that's going to motivate the kids, some motivating factors that they Mm -hmm. can't turn down because they've got to have their camera on for this and just letting them kind of warm up to the idea. And so, you know, that's why I wanted to have this chat with you, because, you know, you and I have talked a lot about that through the or about the black boxes through the season. And really, it it doesn't have to be something that is literally sucking the joy from education. Right. I mean, we have we have much bigger fish to fry. There are much bigger issues to deal with. (laughs) And so, you know, simplifying these problems, but that's the beauty of community and being able to talk these things out and talk these things through Mm -hmm. and share and discuss. And again, I think for a lot of teachers, teachers just recognizing, Hey, you're not alone in this battle. This is a question that every educator is asking themselves. We're all trying to figure out what works and navigate this. And, and so obviously the more that we all collaborate and share out what works and what doesn't work and things that we have found to be successful just makes us all a little bit better for sure. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. So Sarah, we are going to let you go in just a minute. 
it. As a matter of fact, because you're such a night owl, she still has work to do tonight. But I sure do. We always ask our guests just to leave the audience with something that will inspire them or help them carry on throughout the week or just something that, again, will help them put another another foot in front of the other um, as we continue on throughout this journey. I would just say look for the opportunities to connect with students in a way that is not only going to make them feel supported, but it's going to allow you to feel supported. We often talk about like, we want to be there for our students, but I think it's okay to develop a relationship with your students where they can also be of support to you or, or bring you joy. And just like that story with that student where I took that time and he showed me his paintings, you know, I, I'll bet you he's going to ask me again to show him and I'm going to let him yeah. because that's going to fill, fill up my cup. And so yeah. I think look for opportunities to have that reciprocal relationship with your students where they provide you with that, that social connection that you need just as much as you provide them with that lifeline that Mm -hmm. they need during this time where, you know, there is so much that we need in terms of social, emotional wellness. So, so just really be attuned to those opportunities and, and take advantage of them. Yeah. Such great advice. Sarah, tell everybody where they can tap in with you and your platform and where they can, where they can find you so they can see more about this Disney field trip and Disney (laughs) ride. My Instagram and my Facebook and my Twitter are all the same thing. So it makes it super easy. It's my name at Sarah Plumitalo, S-A-R-A-H-P-L-U-M-I-T-A-L-L-O. I always have to like squint and try and remember because I can't <laughs> spell my own last name. The Disney field trip is in my like link tree, my bio. It's all free. I have two Pixar around the world field trips in there too. I'm always adding stuff um, just because, you know, it's a pan- pandemic. This is hard enough. That's, That's right. right. It's That's all, right. Yeah. More the merrier. That's we're, right. We're here to serve. That's right. Well, Sarah, thank serve. you for coming on. Thank you for having this conversation and really just sharing, again, simplified ways to attack what, again, has been that one factor that's just really been the main a lot to handle for, for educators, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, but again when we have these conversations, it just sometimes simplifies the issues that we're all struggling with. It really does. So thank you. And thank thank you you to everyone listening. Hopefully this was able to help you navigate this issue. If you are still focusing on that digital instruction, you're still in a digital space, please know you're not alone. Um, But like we talked about, even if you're in the classroom face-to-face, how these strategies 100% 100% apply mm-hmm. to a personal classroom as well, right? Understanding student stories, understanding their backgrounds, allowing that to lead to building some trust, finding ways and what engagement looks like for them, and then finding, again, ways to continue to motivate them yes. to move forward. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Have an amazing week, educators. Keep doing what you're doing best, which is changing the world. In case nobody told you today, you are incredible. Keep being that positive light that educators are, and we will right. see you next week on the new EDU. Bye, everybody. Bye. The new EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush. And edited by Andrew Weller. With production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The new EDU podcast is a 3% chance production.